Hi everyone, my name is Essen and you're listening to the Brown History Podcast. I got invited by the Toronto International Film Festival to talk to filmmaker Vinay Shukla, who has a new documentary premiering at the festival and it's called While We Watched. Right after this introduction, there's a small news clipping that explains what the documentary is about and it gives you a really good context of the current state of journalism in, in India. Vinay's previous documentary was called An Insignificant Man and it was critically acclaimed and it won lots of awards. I personally loved it. I thought it was brilliant. That's why I was so happy and so excited that I got invited by TIFF and by Nandida Dutta at TIFF to meet and talk to Vinay. So shout out to them for doing this and it's going to be a great episode. So let's get started. Here we go. Concern in India over one of the country's few independent TV news channels after a hostile takeover bid by billionaire businessman Gautam Adani. In a country where most news channels function as government mouthpieces, NDTV is one of India's most trusted sources of information. Here to tell us more is Leela Jacinto, a reporter and senior editor from our internet team. Leela, always a pleasure to see you. Um, there's a new documentary out that follows veteran journalist Ravish Kumar, and you wrote a piece for our website about the film. Yes, it's a 92-minute documentary, and it follows Ravish Kumar, a leading uh, Indian TV uh, newsman, uh, over a two-year period, from 2018 to early 2020. And it really shows you the pressures that Indian, uh, that this particular journalist is, is going under, because he works for NDTV, as you say, a very acclaimed uh, news media organization. It was one of the pioneers of TV journalism in India, and it has managed to maintain its editorial standards. And that's no mean feat in this age of misinformation and divisiveness uh, because uh, the broadcast media in India, a lot of the channels are really government mouthpieces. And there is a lot of targeting of journalists who are just trying to do their job, which is hold truth to power. And they can often be targeted as anti, uh, you know, they, they, first and foremost, they're targeted as liberal media. They can be labeled anti-national and even traitors. And, uh, you know, this sort of labeling emboldens the right-wing Hindu nationalist supporters of uh, Prime Minister Narendra Modi, who can, you know, violently attack uh, people who have been labeled as anti-nationals. Now, for a journalist like uh, Kumar, uh, this translates into death threats. So it's it's media that is really, uh, this is a news organization that is really functioning in a very, very difficult climate that is actually being asphyxiated by political pressure. Yeah, and Kumar, a, a very well-respected journalist, a, a well-known journalist. Yes, he's a news warrior. Uh, you know, he just battles on, uh, you know, taking on uh, a very, very, difficult uh, climate and you and and you can see in in the in the film how this pressure works you know there are technical problems you know the the broadcast signal can suddenly cut in the middle of an expose of the lynching of a muslim man you know then the channel can go behind a subscription wall in impoverished areas that are vote rich of course then uh, you know this translates into financial pressures you know advertisers financiers start backing off when this happens you have staff cuts, so you don't have the staff to, to, to really function properly. And then you have, you know, the state pressure. And the state pressure mirrors what has been happening in Russia and Turkey, which is there's, this, there's a lot of legal harassment. You know, uh, you know, the government can send the tax police to conduct these endless investigations. They deny that it's politically motivated, but the message is very clear. And what would a likely takeover mean? 
That's very mixed. Uh, Gautam Adani is Asia's biggest, uh, richest man. Uh, so there are there are certain problems of big business owning news organizations. It's rarely for the love of journalism, as, as a media critic told me. One of the big problems is uh, Adani is considered very close to Prime Minister Narendra Modi. He denies that the, uh, that the relationship is improper in any way. But the thing is, when these... Uh, this happens in India. When you have these big holdings that own a news organization, the government can target the other business interests. You know, licenses can be revoked. Uh, the, the group does not get uh, government contracts, for instance, until these pesky journalists are brought in line. And all this is happening, uh, you know, in the lead up to the 2024 Indian uh, general elections. So these, the stakes are really high for this. All right, Leela, thank you very much. Leela Jacinto from our internet. To be yeah. careful about my language or something? No. Okay. Be yourself, just you know, relax. Okay. There's just two guys talking in an mm. intimate room. <laughs> <laughs> That's strangely discomforting. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so I grew up watching uh, a lot of movies from India from my childhood. You know, my house was always full of Indian movies, VHS, DVDs, but it never occurred to me that there would be documentaries coming from India. So when I saw your movie, it occurred to me that like I rarely ever watched any documentaries from India. Maybe with the streaming services, there were some documentaries here and there, you know, for like 20 minutes. What's it like to make a documentary in India? Is there support? Is there a demand for it? I think it's an incredible time to be a documentary filmmaker in India. Uh, there is the the audience for it is massive. This is my second documentary film. Uh, my first documentary film, which I co-directed with Kushbu, was called An Insignificant Man. Uh, it ran in theaters for nine weeks. Mm -hmm. So that gives you some idea of what kind of audiences there is. Uh, it went on to release, you know, we, widely on YouTube. Uh, we had offers from the major VOD platforms, but we decided to put it on YouTube so that the film is very widely accessible. And even now we get emails around the film and its topic. In fact, I know that you saw it recently. Yeah. So uh, there is a massive audience for documentary films. In terms of the support infrastructure vis-a-vis -vis funding, it's getting better. It's been very hard in the past. Currently, there are some organizations doing fantastic work with, with regards to funding docs in our part of the world. Uh, you know, there are international organizations like Sundance, uh, BritDoc, uh, Doc Society. Uh, Kushbu has started an organization called India Docs, which is looking to support docs. So it's getting better, but yes, it's very hard. Yeah. And in the last couple of years, there has been some really, really uh, uh, landmark documentary films that have come out of India. Uh, in fact, uh, last year's uh, Academy Awards saw an Indian doc being nominated in the Best Documentary Feature category, which is, I think, a milestone for documentary filmmaking and for just filmmaking in India, to be honest. Right. So it's getting it's getting a lot of traction, uh, and it's going to get better. I understand, like you were saying, I understand that your previous documentary was like an uphill battle to get it released, to get it made, and there were a lot of people with power trying to stop you from getting it released. Um, now that it has been released, it, it you know critically claimed lots of awards. Has that has life changed for you? Oh, massively. Has um, has it like contributed to the dialogue to the to the industry? Do people look at you and say, "Oh my God, he's oh. here"? Be careful what you say. He might record you. You know, are you the guy? It's see, it's not like uh, it's not like people are uh, people see me and get scared, but people definitely s have reached out. 
and uh, uh, congratulated you know us my team on just key uh, before 2013 is when our uh, crowdfunding teaser was launched we the film was made by a, a crowdfunding campaign wherein we we were looking to raise $20,000 and we raised $120,000 so with the when that sort of launched it uh, i people say it was a catalyst in bringing political films and political subjects to a more mainstream audience many more political films have been made since uh, and i don't think uh, you know it's it it happened because of us but we had a role to play so people write to me very often about that uh, the success of the film has made my life incredibly better uh, i have been written to uh, from all parts of the world i have been identified in airports i have been written to and congratulated by mainstream uh, the mainstream bollywood stars who will reach out to me and tell me listen your work is fantastic this is amazing uh, so it's good to find peers in that sense it's helped me find community it's helped me find funding it's helped me find acceptance uh and that I'm very thankful for that's that's awesome did it help you make it this new documentary of yours yes. you want to um, talk about the documentary and and explain to the people what it's about this new film is called while we watched it's a newsroom drama uh it's set in new delhi india and chronicles uh, ndtv news anchor ravish kumar ravish uh is a does a 9 pm broadcast every night in hindi uh it's unlike most other news broadcast in india which very often require which which are very often panel discussions with you know anywhere between 4 to 10 panelists on a single show uh, so a lot of shouting and body yeah, language and yeah, hands moving around yeah a, a, basically a lot of theatrical stuff yeah. uh, ravish's show is very often any anywhere between a 30 to 40 minute monologue uh, it's a it's a it's a show that requires its viewers to give a large part of their attention and consciousness to what he's saying uh, it goes against the current mm-hmm. and i am attracted to people and top and pe- i'm attracted to people who go against the current uh i started shooting this film uh, at a at a phase when ravish was really uh, wondering if his own journal- journalism is relevant anymore and i feel that's something that a lot of us feel when we when we see the world around us and you don't align with the world around it may be for artists it may be for newsmakers it may be for small businesses yeah. very often you see the or, or for maybe you know i don't know what it's like personally for you but allow me to say it but when you see other podcasts around you you very often wonder that is is there a place for you out there in the current world uh and that's the sort of question that's the inquiry that i started with when i made this film uh, ravish is an old school idealist and i really uh, when he began to wonder if if that idealism still has a place in today's world uh, i was attracted to that inquiry mm-hmm. and uh, the film essentially is a behind the scenes look at the process of journalism in india today uh, it's a very emotional film it's a very emotional story it's 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 also a father and daughter story yeah uh, and uh so so let's dissect that what what is the for people who don't know who don't go to india or don't live in india what is the what is the state of affairs when it comes to journalism and news media in india like what what is happening there right now uh, the context okay so the news in india right now is an unchecked beast okay uh there is uh, 
there are plenty of news organizations but much needs to be uh, done vis-a-vis checks and controls and checks and balances right now uh, to give you some idea of course there's a problem of corporate ownership of the news and 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 news structuring models that's not just a problem in india that's a problem across the world uh, but the kind of polarization that you're seeing via the news in india uh, is worrisome not because the news organizations uh, need to be there needs to be greater accountability for these news organizations mm-hmm. and uh, it's really worrying that that is missing from the dialogue right now okay and um i noticed that in both your documents the documentaries you have this team where you follow a individual or an underdog as he navigates through structures and systems of power sure so in this case um this structure is journalism and in your previous documentary you have um you have this i don't know what the opposite of underdog is you have this top dog <laughs> you know and in this in that case it was Sheila Dixit yeah who represented kind of uh corruption you could say or an old system that wasn't working sure in in this case in this documentary who is the quote unquote top dog and 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 um I guess the ant the villain of the of the structure or or the representative of the of the structure that our protagonist is trying to fight. I mean firstly I you know the thing is that the language of uh, you know v- v- villain very very often puts a great amount of uh, negativity on people who are very real. Uh, so I try and stay away from that. I don't think Sheila Dixit was the villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Sheila Dixit became the establishment of sorts because she was a career politician, and uh, the, that film was, in its way, uh, my first film was anti-establishment. Uh, with this film again, we are taking on the we are we are going through a tremendous period of change in India. Some of it is absolutely fantastic, and some of it we need to reflect over deeper. My choice, my job as a storyteller is to is to reflect on these changes is to ask people to think pause and see if this is the way we want to go and how we can make it better uh like i said earlier the new syst- information system in india is completely unchecked and it's completely out of control we may feel like it's serving us today but it's not a system that can serve that can lead to a better system it's not uh, we have to look at building building something good that outlasts all of us uh very often we tend to fixate on one news anchor one news television one politician one party and we get extremely polarized around them uh my advice to everybody is like you know you, you know what knock yourself out you want to support xyz politician party news anchor sports person do it uh but if in pursuit of that we land up not bettering the systems around these people uh we are doing ourselves great service we need to be able to make systems that serve us not just us the future generations very well and uh building better systems starts with also identifying that we have a problem hopefully I, i i hope that this film is a conversation start in that direction how so how did you um end up making this documentary did you just bring camera and just hang out in the newsroom 
There's something like that. <laughs> it was something like that. Did you, do you, did you, do, for your movies, do you learn the system before you go in there and start filming or do you learn as you go when you're filming? I mean, you can't learn it before, right? Because you can, how do you learn, a, like, you only, I have this information, access to the same information that people do. Right. So you have some idea what a newsroom works like, what a political party may be like from the inside. Uh, so you basically go in on the first day and then you sit and then the second day and then the third day and then it's a week, then it's a month. Then it's three months, six months. So you learn on the go. Yeah. You learn on the go and you find characters on the go. When you're outside, you don't know uh, who is going to be part of the story that you're telling. And you don't even know what the story is going to be. Amazing. You have some instinct. As a filmmaker, you have some instinct to read the room and predict where this could go. Uh, so you try and shoot and cover those bases. But besides that, while you're on the job, the institution reveals itself to you. You... You know, the, the, the curtain is lifted very slowly. And it's painfully slow, honestly, at times. Uh, uh, you want to know more. You want to learn faster. Aren't you worried that maybe there, after two weeks of filming, you're like, okay, there's no story here. We just wasted of course. time and energy. So it's really a, a oh, two leap weeks. of faith. I mean, the, okay. months. Yeah, I mean, okay. So, so it's the, a leap of faith. So, yeah. So the first day I, I, I shot at the NDTV office, I was like, this is a story. This is fantastic. I'm going to do this. Uh, but three months in, when you feel like... Uh, you need character arcs. You need narrative. You need uh, you need meaty scenes. Yeah. You re- and you begin to panic, saying, "I have a couple of scenes, but I don't know how am I going to fill a 90-minute film." Or at that point, you're wondering if you are going to make a seven-hour series or whatever it is. Uh, that panic and anxiety is very real, and that's why edits take so much longer on non-fiction projects. Wow. The style of your filming is fly on the wall method. You're yep. kind of there, but you're not involved or you don't show yourself in the whole thing sure is it is that really tough because you're you're hanging out with these people for so long you're invested in them and at the same time the cause the system that they're kind of struggling in is the same system that you're part of you know politics for the first documentary second documentary which is journalism you kind of want them to win because it affects you in your personal and your career I actually, okay, the first film about the politics that you're referring to, I actually, both of both me and Kujbu, we shot for both outcomes, winning and losing. So as a filmmaker, because you were, you're hedging your bets, right? So it's not like I wanted them to win. I really wanted to capture the story of conflict between idealism and politics. If that led to them winning, that's fine. If that led to them losing, that's fine by me as well. I know that sounds a little cold and heartless, but I'm a filmmaker. I understand. You know, I have a... I have a clear job bio. Uh, yes, you can say that, oh, but you have biases. Yes, I do, sure. right? Uh, but that doesn't affect my uh, yearning for a certain outcome. I feel like irrespective of <laughs> the thing with uh, life and filmmaking is uh, irrespective, of, irrespective of the outcome you really want, uh, once you get there, even that falls short and you want more or you want it to play out differently. Uh, with filmmaking, you have to be uh, ready for the challenges that come your way. Uh, and I'm not so invested in the destiny of uh, the protagonists and the stories that I follow. How does the newsroom work in India? Is it different from anywhere else, or is it, uh, uh, it does it have its own thing, its own beast? Like I said, uh, the newsrooms in India are uh, 
Okay, so very often, you know, it's the same system. You pick up on uh, some piece of news comes in, some piece of reportage comes in about something happening in your country, around the world, yeah. uh, in your city. Somebody goes out, covers it, sends a bite back, then the bite is processed through the graphics and it go makes it to the air. Uh, increasingly, however, in India, we are seeing uh, news organizations themselves cutting off on-ground reportage and shifting to a more theatrical panel discussion every night sort of uh, model which means that ground reporting is uh, is getting lesser and lesser. TV news stations have fewer uh, offices in faraway states of India. They're not collecting news from so many different states of India. Uh, they don't have bureaus in, so in, in some of the major cities very often. So for the kind of budgets and privileges that news organizations enjoy, you don't see the diversity in their stories, uh, the kind that you would expect. You know, for the first movie, you had a lot of trouble getting it released. Yeah. Do you have any trouble this time? Because this one is a bit more. Um, it. I guess the the line would be it shakes the hornet's nest a lot more. I mean, okay. So I really, I'm an optimist. Uh, I believe that this film is about making our news better. And for the life of me, I can't imagine why somebody would try to oppose that. Uh, in terms of the hornet's nest and you know that kind of stuff. Uh, well, how does, how does, okay, well, how about the people who are in power right now, the government? Yeah. How do they feel about uh, NDTV? Yeah. And and are they, I guess the nice way of saying is, uh, are they coming in their way? NDT, okay, so currently NDTV itself is going through a challenging phase. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, yeah, so NDTV itself is in the midst of a buyout. Uh, uh, and we don't know uh, what's going to happen in the coming months. So, so the coming months are going to see a lot of drama or may see some drama with regards to the ownership of NDTV changing hands from uh, uh, the Roy's, who are the current owners, to uh, the billionaire Gautam Adani. Uh, so we'll, we'll know in a couple of months if that affects their editorial direction or not. It's something uh, people in India are waiting to see. Uh, and with regards to how does the government feel about, uh, you know, NDTV, etc. Specifically NDTV. Specifically. Specifically Ravish Kumar. Uh, in the past, the relationship has been very honestly a little cold. Uh, but uh, I, this film is not necessarily, you know, very often people see, people tend to see the current dialogue as, you know, anti are you anti or pro? Are you anti NDTV, pro NDTV? Anti-government, pro government? Anti this politician, pro that politician? Sure. Uh, I'd like to believe that I'm not anti anything. Uh, I am really looking for a better dialogue around the news. Okay. As much as we can find our problematic people. Some people find Ravish extremely problematic. Some people find, you know you can continue looking at your shoe and saying, you know, which one is bigger than the other. I am asking people to look at the stars. It's very important to zone out from individuals, zone out from one, and look at how we can build a better for many by investing in many. We have to divest our power that we give from giving it to any one person, any single organization, and divesting it into a a better system that allows for more people. But I'm not. I'm not asking how you feel. I'm yeah. asking how. You know, I don't know what NDTV. I don't watch NDTV. I'm not part of the Indian dialogue. Sure. 
so my question is what is what is ndt ndtv represent to the greater majority of india are they the you know are they the fox news of india or are they the are they the liberal news i think it, are it, they, it, know, it, do they help modi uh with his campaign or do they kind of investigate and question his campaign which makes him angry you know like what what is the what is their role in the in the greater things i think any tv is pursued uh, uh, the the there's a honest long answer to that uh, any tv is seen as a legacy news network which had its own uh, history uh, it brought on some of the most uh, prominent big voices in indian news television today in fact arnab uh, who's currently the head of republic started out at ndtv as arnab, a uh, goswami yeah. the guy who is part of the large panels yeah so so he yeah. is uh, so he started at this thing and radeep sadesai who's currently at india today started at ndtv uh, barkha dat who was somebody uh, when i was growing up she was at ndtv i saw her journalism and i really learned so much from her as somebody in my teenage years uh in terms of how to present an argument now all these insti- all these individuals have gone through their own sort of checkered history since uh some all of them have left ndtv ravish is ravish my protagonist has been at ndtv for about 26 years now so he's uh he's an old horse there he's a veteran he's a veteran uh it would be it would be a disservice to see them again in light of whether do they help modi or they do not because maybe some of their programming has been seen as has been soft on modi i haven't seen the network 24/7 they do enjoy a net uh, they do do enjoy a reputation of being fairly anti establishment in india uh, but i would uh, you know i believe that that has more to do with the sort of information and messaging around them if you were to see their programming you were to see i believe that if you really want to find out if a a a a particular news network is for a government or against a government you have to find out how many big stories have they done how many scoops they have done against a government and that is where the answers lie currently i don't have the stats on how many stories the the network has done but i know for a fact that ravish has asked a lot of hard questions to this government while being at ndtv while being at ndtv and in a climate where uh, uh, that can be uh, fairly risky and fairly hard uh, ravish has been able to do that at ndtv okay that's fair um you know we're talking about the news media and we're talking about politicians but how much do you think the people the public are held accountable for what's going on and, and what kind of news is being played because it's kind of a feedback loop you put something out there and they watch and the ratings go up and then they kind of take that and exaggerate that even more yeah i think okay so there are two parts of this problem one is the people's minds are being shaped by the information they receive yes right uh the information by itself that's coming from news networks and whatsapp forwards is very skewed yeah. so then after a point it's an echo chamber of uh skewed news but what i found what i find truly worrying is that there are a lot of claims being made about people's consciousness and what they like what we as a country want uh and there is a vast amount of people who disagree with that who disagree with those kind of claims that are being made on their behalf but they don't really have any sort of platform to where to 
to bring forth their disagreement with the news. What do you do? Like for tomorrow, tomorrow there is some claim made saying, you know what, uh, on behalf of all the brown peop people in Canada, I'd like to say that all of us love donuts. Uh, and if you say I don't like donuts, maybe you can go out on the street and protest and enough people will come out and protest and you know, maybe you can bring change. Uh, the only time we have very rarely seen that kind of mass protest and people coming out on the streets, it's happened twice recently in Indian, uh, uh, in Indian public consciousness, it wants it. But besides that, un there is no civilized forums, organized forums where people can come forward and disagree with what's being spoken on their behalf in the news. Right. Uh, and I think the people need to ask for more accountability from the news. I think something needs to happen. The government needs to establish, like I said, some sort of a body, which is a tri-party body, wherein the government, the people, and the news holders uh, and the news owners are stakeholders. And there has to be a healthier dialogue between these three so that our news is shaped better. You know, the movie hasn't been out in India yet. Yep. Do you feel uh, that um, you're going to get a lot of uh, um, outrage towards you, a lot of... Um angry letters, angry emails, <laughs> you know? <laughs> what do you uh, we are living in polemic times. People, I mean, if I make a post on Instagram about something, I, I get so many DMs. Uh, yeah. I, but you're making a documentary, so I'm assuming it's 10 times worse for you. Uh, yeah, but uh, it's also 10 times better for me because there are a lot of people who agree. There are a lot of people who are interested. Yes, there is a lot of trolling that happens. There's a lot of disagreement that happens. There's no doubt about it. But I understand those trolls. I understand where they're coming from. I think somewhere in their hearts, I'd like to believe that we are all trying to build a better country, a better world. Uh, the the a lot of the trolls that we have, that we have, you'd be surprised at their own access to information and dialogue structures. When you sit down with them off Twitter and have a conversation, it's a very civilized conversation. It's not the it's not the kind of conversation that you're seeing on Twitter. Uh, so I'd like to say that trolling doesn't necessarily is not representative of the disagreement between us, especially Twitter trolling or online trolling. And there are also people just like, I mean, there is such a big majority of people who agree with you, who agree with what I'm doing, who are looking to think, who are looking to reflect better, who are looking to introspect. Uh, and I have received the same, you know, so much love from them that uh, I'm okay with it. What do you think needs to, I mean, you already kind of answered this question, but what do you think that it's possible for journalism to be to be saved in India? Yes. That we can go to a positive route? Yes, always. And uh, what, what do you think needs to, to, to change? Like I said, three things. Uh, we need to have better rights for journalists. Uh, we need to bring more accountability to news organizations. And we need better training for journalists. Uh, if you're able to do, do these three, I'm pretty sure we are. Uh, we'll be at a good place. Um, my last question. I heard. Uh, I read somewhere that you're moving away from documentary films <laughs> and you're going to start making some uh, some movies. Yeah, fiction. As any, you know, can you give us a little update on that, or you want to say? Uh, I'm currently writing a hostage drama. Nice. Uh, it's not going to be political at all. This is going to have a, you know some deep meaning behind it. Of course, life, universe, and everything are going to come out uh, pouring through every frame of that film. That's funny. I mean, honestly, I don't know. Uh, I am right now, uh, I've made two films which are very, very political, but I have other things to say. Uh, I think uh, 
uh, I'd like to. S- I am at a stage in my career wherein I've begun to take myself too seriously, <laughs> and I'd like. <laughs> and I think I need to stop taking myself seriously. So I'm going to make something in fiction, uh, which uh, which will help me, hopefully, learn the craft of filmmaking a little more deeply and express myself in different ways. That's what I'm excited about. That's the challenge that I'm looking forward to after this film. Uh, I'm. It's the the hostage drama thing is keeping me awake at nights, and you know I'm I'm co-writing it uh, with my cinematographer from this film. Uh, Aman. So both of us are spending a lot of time discussing it, writing it, uh, and I'm really excited. Hopefully, we should have something soon. Well, I'm I'm really excited to see what's gonna come from you. Uh, big fan. Thank you and, so much. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much. This was great. Um, if anybody wants to see your documentary, uh, how sh- will they do it? They should uh, go to our Instagram page while we watched. Uh, and uh, like, share, subscribe, and do all of those things. And I'm sure we'll get the film to you. Uh, we also have a website called whilewewatch.com. Uh, you can leave us your email there. Whenever the film comes out, we'll drop you a line. It will come out uh, you know, sometime soon uh, through, pro- through partners in different worlds, which we are having conversations with. And uh, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.